friends, welcome to the Redeemer Queens Park podcast. Redeemer exists to help connect Jesus to people and people to community and community to mission. We gather to worship God and fellowship with one another on Saturday afternoons at three. If you ever have any questions or if we could be a help in any way at all, then please give us a shout at hello at redeemerqp.com. We hope you'll be encouraged as you hear another one of our Bible talks. Let's listen to the next episode. Thank you, Daniel. Question, very obvious question, presents us as uh, this text is read. Question simply this, how do you deal with death? It's sobering, especially for beautiful Saturday afternoon, maybe one of the last one of these we'll have for a while. How do you deal with death? Because the death rate is holding strong at 100%. Every person that was ever born is sure to die. Every birth certificate that's handed to some glad parents has an unwritten expiration date on it. We're all going to die. So the question really isn't how are we going to avoid death? How are we going to circumvent the circumstances of death? But how do you deal with death? And I think as sobering and maybe as dark of a question, this might seem like it at first blush, if we actually spend some time with this chapter of Scripture here, I actually think this could be the doorway to a lot of life, some real hope, some real encouragement for us. How do you deal with death? Let's go back to the top of the story. John chapter 11. There's three siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. We've seen Mary and Martha before at a dinner party. If you've heard any Bible stories before, there's this one where Mary's busy running around the house. Martha's busy running around the house, and Mary's just sitting right there at the feet of Jesus, listening to Jesus. These three, they they essentially, you know, shoot Jesus the, the equivalent of like the modern text message. And it's very interesting what these three family members send to Jesus. This really simple note. Hey, the one you love, he's fallen ill. Notice they don't have to compel him. They don't have to churn him up. They don't have to really work him into responding. But they believe, these two sisters, they believe if Jesus would only know he's fallen ill, Jesus is going to come running. And amazingly, Jesus declines their request. And Jesus says this will not terminate in death. I just want to focus your attention on just a few of these verses that we just read. First, notice in verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus and Lazarus. So when Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two more days. Now I don't know about you, but I read this and I wonder if somebody's missed something. So I read this first line, and I think to myself, now, Jesus is he's obviously messing with somebody, or he's not making all the connections. He loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, and based in that love, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was. And then if you read just a little further down, he told them plainly, Jesus clearly shows us that he's under, he's, he's understand what's going on in the situation. Verse 14, verse 15, he said, look, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. 
And we're taking a season as a, a community of faith, and we're really looking at Jesus, and we're listening to Jesus in his own words. That's, that's where we are, this collection of talks, Jesus in his own words, and we're just letting Jesus just tell us, who are you? What do you like? What would it be like to be connected to you? This encounter with Jesus has a number of puzzling bits to it because we come to the first one here. Jesus' delay seems to have cost his friend Lazarus his life. Lazarus died while Jesus declined their request to come and help. And what makes this so tough is that the author makes it so clear. Jesus loved Lazarus, so he waited. This is the equivalent to me saying, look, I love my wife so much, I just forgot to get her something for her birthday. It's like, what? Do you, do you really love her or did you forget? Like, how can both of these things be true? There's some real tension in the text. The author is drawing us in to really consider like what is actually going on. And here, here's just one more piece to the story. Jesus' delay, it did not arise from indifference. And Jesus' delay, it did not arise from distance either. Jesus is only a mere two miles away. This probably could have been covered in a 30 to 40 minute walk in the Birkenstocks, I would imagine. So his delay provided the space to emphasize his love for Lazarus and his sisters. And the physical death of Lazarus actually created space for them to come on to encounter life. So Jesus goes and he gets there. And he encounters these two sisters that deal with death in two different ways. And I'm actually really helped by this. Because I think when we get these two different people responding to the death of a family member, we're able to come to terms with different characters in the story. Notice the first one. Her name is Martha. Martha deals with death, verses 17 to 27 of the text that we're looking at. She approaches Jesus, and for Martha, she goes very cerebral when she encounters death. That's fine. Some of us in this room, we probably just want to be very logical. We just want to think things through when it comes to death. We would find a friend in Martha, and you could actually come to John eleven seventeen to 27, and you could actually hear this interaction take place. Jesus says to her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he asks a question for the mind to Martha. Do you believe this? So the two sisters have these different reactions. They respond to death differently. Martha, she hurries out to meet Jesus. Her words imply an appeal for Jesus to intervene four days into death. The, the Greeks actually had this belief that um, the, the soul might have hovered around the body for three days, but at day four and past, the soul was clearly out of there, so there's no chance of a comeback. And she's pleading, like, please, could you just, could you just do something? Jesus says something to her. He says, I am the resurrection. This beautiful idea that only Christianity lays hold of. No other worldview, no other religion, no other philosophy of life contains this beautiful idea. I am the resurrection. The idea that when you die, you're not recreated in some other form, but it's actually possible for you to come back from the dead. And Jesus, he quite literally says that that's him. The Martha, whose faith was right there, she, she knew Jesus to be this powerful intercessor. Her faith was challenged, like it didn't all make sense mentally. Maybe you can feel something 
with Martha. You can think with Martha. But how about this? How about Martha? And how about Mary? Mary deals with death. Verses 28 to 37. Mary goes on to deal with death. Mary hears about Jesus' arrival. She too, like her sister Martha, she comes running out to meet Jesus. She runs to Jesus. She runs to this one in whom death cannot exist. She makes no request. She simply falls down at the feet of Jesus and she just pours out her tears. Some of us in here, we might feel this when it comes to death. We're not really the type to get switched on mentally and really want to reason this thing out and really want to chat things through. We just feel. And that's perfectly okay as well. What's beautiful about this, and while I'm spending a little bit of time trying to develop this for you, is that we need to see that Martha responded to death one way and Jesus met Martha where she was. Mary responded to death a different way and Jesus has the capacity to meet Mary where she was. Jesus met Martha in the mind with a theological proposition to consider about life. Now Jesus meets Mary in the bowels of emotion. Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit and he was troubled in his heart. Uh, we have a look at these texts uh, together in our community groups. Um, some of these meet in person and others meet over uh, Zoom. And we were meeting and we were talking through this just this last week. And on Wednesday night um, in the eight o'clock community group, we're all on, a few of us were on Zoom and somebody pointed out, I really love this passage of scripture because I can get in touch with the humanity of Jesus. I can see Jesus here as not just an idea, I can see him as a person. And you can. He's weeping. He's feeling. This isn't just some idea, some like lofty proposition that just some people are aiming their life at. This is a person that people claim to have a connection to. And Jesus was moved with the deepest emotion in his conflicts with the power of evil. I want you to hear this. Jesus had stern words for those afflicted, afflicted by illness. You see this in Mark chapter 1, verse 43, and chapter 9, verse 30. Jesus was an emotional person, and it was actually beautiful to see. He wept. He wept over unrepenting hearts in Jerusalem in Luke 19, 41. The night before, Jesus would give his life to be a sacrifice for the sins of people. Jesus felt agony in the garden. Agony. I wonder if we've had any agony in this room over the last couple of months. Mark chapter 14, 13 to 42 shows us Jesus in agony. And all these emotions are emotions that Jesus felt as Jesus did conflict with the prince of this world. Mark 12, 31. So the Bible presents this issue of death to us as something that everyone has coming as something that Jesus came to approach and Jesus came to deal with. And here in this text, very helpfully, we get to see these two ways that different people responded. Some responded by going mental. Others respond by going into the heart and to feeling their way through it. We're considering these various responses of Jesus and people to death. Martha's wanting a reason. Mary's distraught in tears. Jesus is face to face with death. Listen, that Jesus came to destroy. Jesus came to deal with death. Jesus came to deal with death in his own life. And I just want to show you these four truths about Jesus coming to deal with death. Friend, notice this. Jesus came to deal with death because Jesus meets us where we are as we deal with death. 
verses 38 to 44, we see in verse 38 that Jesus was deeply moved. Deeply moved. I wonder if you could draw any comfort from that this afternoon. That Jesus isn't indifferent at the idea of death. How cold would that be? There'd be nothing for the heart. If Jesus just saw us in our pain, if Jesus just saw us in our suffering, and Jesus was like, well, you just have to find a way with it. No, Jesus sees people dealing with death, and Jesus feels something in his own life. The text tells us that he was deeply moved. You see this word in verse 33, and you see this word in verse 38. He's deeply moved. Now, deeply moved is actually a deeply, deeply deficient translation of what's actually going on here. English doesn't actually give us an appropriate carryover word for what's going on in the Greek language, which this was actually recorded in. The word is ebromami. Ebromami. And one scholar says, this is literally, Jesus is deeply moved. Jesus sees something, and he gets so stuck up in his spirit that he actually snorts as if he's an animal getting ready to charge. It really has the connotation of an animal snorting like a bull getting ready to attack. The French theologian John Calvin sees this and he says this word, this ebromami word, this actually indicates Jesus is about to get into the ring with death. Calvin goes on to say, like a wrestler preparing for a contest with a hated foe, the violent tyranny of, with, of death which Jesus came to overcome, it stands before his eyes. Think about this. Jesus came to deal with death in his own life. Jesus, he sits with people he loves. And Jesus, it feels something on the inside. Jesus responds to death. But friend, I just want you to hear the comfort today. Jesus meets us where we are as we deal with death. And that might be a new idea for some of us, and that might be just the word some of us need. Jesus has the emotional capacity to meet you and me where we are when our hearts are unsettled. Jesus has the capacity to meet us where we are and to give us what we need. But look at Jesus as he does this. Yes, he feels with us. Yes, he empathizes with us. Yes, he has the capacity to speak truth to us. But then there's this snorting. There's this churning that takes place inside of him. Like a wrestler ready to get into the ring, Jesus stands face to face with a tomb that has one of his friends inside. And Jesus seems more like a bull getting ready to charge than some weep, lacking, weep empathy lacking person that doesn't know how to respond. I can't read this without imagining Muhammad Ali or Anthony Joshua preparing to get into the ring. The, the, the picture of Jesus here is a fighter getting ready to go to blows. And this might be a very different picture of Jesus than some of us carry around in our imagination. This is Anthony Joshua stretching out. He has his opponent right across the ring, and he intends to go full body contact with his hated enemy. This introduces Jesus to us in a little bit of a different Light. Second thing, notice this. Death is a powerful curse, but Jesus is the author of life. And yes, Christians would believe that death is a powerful curse. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, we learned where the whole thing got its start. God created people in His own image and likeness. Adam and Eve desired a love relationship with each of them, desiring just to be able to connect with them and to relate with them. They had only one rule. Hey, look, it'd be great if you don't disobey this one thing so we can have a natural love relationship Adam and Eve, they transgress his rule. And when they transgress his rule, they're actually cut off from their creator. We see death is actually introduced to the world from our own human actions, from our own 
human shortcomings. The Bible word for that is sin, which just means we missed the mark. God has a target. God has a standard. And people, we just don't naturally measure up. We, we just miss the target. We miss the target. There are consequences that come into our lives. And the Bible says one of those consequences is death. You and me were made to be connected to God as if by some sort of spiritual umbilical cord where we'd be able to derive life from Him. But when we miss the mark with this God who created us, it's as if the, as if the link is severed and we're cut off from the life source. So we're left to try to fight and we're left to try to struggle and we're left to try to figure it out. But look at this beautiful picture of Jesus. Death is a powerful curse that was dealt to creation, but praise God for in Jesus is the author of life. Jesus is. Death is a powerful curse, but Jesus is the author of life. The author steps into the story that he's writing. He steps into creation. He writes himself into the story and he comes along to be born of a woman, to grow up to be a full-grown man, and to take death on in his own life. Christians, they gather around this person, Jesus, and we celebrate him because he has defeated death. Is this not right, Christian? I mean, is this not what we feel and what we carry around inside of us? So notice what happens here. The, the depth of death and the love of Christ, they engage in mortal combat. Anthony Joshua steps into the ring with this opponent that doesn't have a chance, and they go to work. And this is as good as the story of the Gospel of John gets until Jesus actually goes to the cross. Jesus dies for sin. Jesus himself is buried in the grave, and Jesus himself raises to new life. An immovable object meets this irresistible force. Death meets Christ, and Christ conquers death. Jesus has dealt with death. That's a statement. Jesus has dealt with death. And he meets us where we are and are trying to figure it out. And he offers to reason with us and to work with us and to help us as we deal with death as well. What a friend we have in Jesus. It's like the words of the song go. He took our sin and our sorrow. He made them his very own. He took our sin, He took our missing the mark, He took our sorrow, He took our pain, He took our heartbreak. But the Bible teaches He even took our death on Himself on the cross. He took our sin and our sorrow, He made them His very own. He bore our burden to Calvary and He suffered and He died alone. He feels, He feels for you, friend. He feels as His very own. He feels every broken heart. He feels every shattered dream. He feels every sorrow. And the good news of Christianity is He offers with no cost to you just to take them onto himself, take them to the cross, and to give death that hellish death that it deserves once and for all. And he looks at us in return and he says, look, I am the resurrection and the life. It's the interesting bit. The raising of Lazarus from the dead is the event that led to Jesus' own death. The tension is really building throughout the Gospel of John. Jesus' battle with death, it begins in John chapter 11 with yelling and shouting and snorting and climbing into the ring. And the battle would end eight chapters later in crucifixion, where the Bible says that death met its death when Jesus Christ, He willingly submitted Himself to an old wooden cross. Jesus allowed His body to be stretched out. He allowed His body to be hammered down. And He went to the cross without any sin in His life, without any shortcomings in His life. He allowed Himself to be hammered so we don't have to be hammered. He allowed Himself to be pierced so we don't have to be pierced. 
And what happened on the cross is Jesus absorbed into his life the pain, the heartbreak, the missing the mark, the sin and the death for everyone who would believe in him. And there's a very simple invitation. Would you just believe in him? There's no cost. There's no signing. There's no subscribing or signing up. It's just a message. Would you just believe? Jesus went full body contact with Beth, with death. Jesus absorbed the curse of death that we deserved in our place. Jesus snapped the neck of death through his own depth. And the only way that Jesus could interrupt Lazarus's funeral was to start his own funeral. And that's exactly what he did. In John chapter 11, he initiates the prelude for his own funeral by stepping in and bringing Lazarus to life. Luis, come on up, brother. Look, I'm almost done. I'm going to get out of here and we're going to have some time to respond. Notice this. Jesus' distance to us then does not mean his denial. I say this because there's pain all across this room and there's pain all across our past. Jesus' apparent absence then did not indicate that he lost control or that he faltered. No, you got to be able to see what he was doing all along. It doesn't mean that his love has failed when he just seems to be a little further away than we would prefer. His apparent absence in your life does not indicate his full absence either. Jesus' delay doesn't arise from indifference. Jesus has plans for his waiting. He has plans for his allowing a situation to go a little longer. You see here, the only way that people would get to see Lazarus coming back to life if Lazarus first was allowed to die. And I don't know how that lands with you. Frankly, there's not enough time and energy for us to go around and really work that out in all of our hearts in the many ways that it's needed. But that's a fact. Jesus' distance does not mean His denial. Some of us have given up on Jesus because of His distance in the past. Some of us have given up on Jesus because He just feels very far from us in the present. But I wonder if you could just look at Him right here. And if you could see Him having a purpose for the pain. And He has a meaning for our waiting. Finally this, and I'm out of the way. For the Christian, death becomes the doorway to life. Christian, allow your heart to be stirred. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So Christian, allow this to steep in your soul. When Jesus died and rose again, he destroyed the one who had the keys to death, who had the power of death, that is the devil, so that those who were held in lifelong bondage to the fear of death might go utterly free. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 to 15 is yours. That statement that he made to Martha, it is paradoxical. We found ourselves in a paradox this afternoon. Jesus is saying to us, though you die, you will live. But then he just says to us, you won't die. So death is real, but death isn't ultimately real. For the Christian. So the Christian then is able to go through life knowing that death, though it'll be painful, death, though it'll be some pain for those that are around, death is just going to be a doorway to life. Followers of Jesus then have had the sting of death removed. Death has become a doorway to paradise. So we walk through it and we walk into the presence of Jesus. Therefore, the author of the Bible tells us, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses, verse 58, Therefore, we can be steadfast. The Christian can be immovable. The Christian can go on, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for nothing that the Christian does in the hope of the resurrection will be vain in the end. 
Paul said it like this, Romans 4.25. He was delivered over to death for our sins, and He was raised to life for our justification. This is the good news that Christians celebrate even through an act of baptism that we're actually about to jump into right out here. Where Christians are able to actually embrace the concept of death so much that they can actually gather around the water and they can actually say, this is a picture of what's already happened to my soul. My, my soul has actually died to my old self. I'm actually dead to my old ways. I'm actually already spiritually resurrected to new life in Christ. And this life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. He loved me. He gave Himself up for me. This is what we celebrate together in just a few moments. Here's the invitation. Whoever you are, wherever you are, and whatever you're facing, are you really going to resist Him? He is the only one who has defeated death. He looks at you and me. He calls out no pain. He calls out no burden. He simply offers life. And he says, why don't you come to me? Why don't you let me meet your deepest need? And as I meet your deepest need, maybe we can find our way through all those other needs and problems and situations as well. Jesus is the true life. He is the resurrection and the life, and he deals with death by dying. You today, friend, wherever you are, wherever you're coming from, you today can know that he will never leave you or forsake you. You can know that he died to remove all that could ever separate you from God. You can now feel pain, you can suffer, and you can go on and die knowing that God is on your side and death isn't the end. But death is a doorway to life. The life, this life is only available through this Jesus who spoke these words, I am the resurrection and the life. Are we going to resist him? Surely our hearts won't let us. Jesus died. Death is destroyed. Satan, the one who held the power of death, is destroyed. Death and sin no longer have mastery. There's life for God's people, and the invitation is here. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, we pray that you'd help these words to make sense in our troubled hearts. For the many bits we feel, the wondering, the longings, the pain, and the insecurity, God, we pray that you would help these words to make sense in the deep recesses of our soul. We thank you for this Jesus who's defeated death. We pray that as we have a few moments to reflect and to sing, you'd help us to encounter him. So speak to us, Lord. We're listening in Jesus' name. Amen.